The following is intended for mature audiences only. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Good afternoon. I'm Leon Davis, and you're listening to Altitude Adjustment. Uh, great to have you back with me this week. <clears throat> um, so, last week I didn't, I did a, if you caught it. Uh, if not, it would be great to go back and, and uh, see that too. Uh, I, I talked about um, the dust up between um, Dr. Anaya and uh, Jeff Bezos. And there were a couple of things that I kind of um, failed to mention that I had intended to talk about. So I'll uh, go back over those a little bit. And then there were a couple of things that uh, additional things I wanted to cover in that vein of that conversation. Um, one of the things that is interesting to me is that, well, not, but um, there's always uh, ancillary uh, topics. Whenever you, whenever I talk about a topic, there's always places to go, um, ideas and, and things that branch off from the original conversation. And so today I'm probably going to give myself, normally I try to stick to a particular topic and exhaust as much as possible um, that particular topic before moving on. Um, but today I'm probably gonna do a little bit of um, uh, branching off and going down some different uh, avenues uh, and understanding and uh, you know talking about uh, this particular topic. So first let me start with um, one of the things that I mentioned uh, or talked about last week was, as, as I said, the a dust up between Jeff Bezos and the doctor. Now the doctor's um, tweet, uh, and, and I'm not gonna reread the tweet and all that kind of stuff, uh, so you have to do a little bit of research on your own. The doctor's tweet was taken down. And I had mentioned last week that I didn't think, so her, her tweet wasn't calling for, it, it was more of an expression of her anger and, and I could see where where some people may be a little uh, taken aback by it, and may have some reticence to to accept it in its purest form. Um, but but the doctor's tweet was taken down, and that Jeff Bezos made a uh, a tweet attacking the character of the doctor and. This was a, a personal attack, which was not taken down. And I've, I've done a podcast about leaving the, the moderation of people's thoughts and words and, and posts to companies individually. So the companies like Microsoft, like um, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, have a financial interest in the content that is on their site. And so when they encounter a, um, content that may not necessarily be bad content or content that needs to be moderated, but the fact that it could cause them to be, you know, in, in this current environment, we're attacking um, companies for 
leaving content out there uh, that that people disagree with, even even if that content doesn't is not necessarily attacking someone or uh, the intent of the content is clearly not to enlist a particular behavior. Um, but but to, but because they don't like that particular com- content, or they, they want it taken down, they want to silence that individual. And t- Texas recently, and I think if you look in the um, the scroller down below, and in case you haven't seen, there is a an article about uh, how Texas has passed uh, a law that would inhibit. Um, media companies from censoring behavior. So, and one of the things that I'm going to say is, you know, while you may disagree with a large part of uh, someone's efforts, there's always going to be some type of crossover that, that you're going to be in a line with. In other words, uh, and I like to use the analogy of broken clock is, right twice a day. Um, so, so even in the course of having not much in common with the ideology of like a Ted Cruz, um, Ted Cruz is not always going to be wrong. And Ted Cruz is not always going to say something. Uh, you know, there are always going to be points where I'm going to be able to agree or find that, that he's making good sense. And so, um, part of the conversation and, and you know, they, they are passing a law, Texas did, and it was challenged by the, the technology industry um, saying that uh, the challenge was that this law would leave, would, would inhibit, prohibit media companies from taking down content that they disagreed with. And, and I, think that that is a good step in the right direction because they should not be the only, or they should not even be the primary source of uh, what is acceptable speech and what is not. Um, but, but, you know, in this instance where the doctor um, was, this particular tweet was taken down um, and another tweet that I thought was, you know, uh, of poor character was left up. And, and yes, I do mean character. Um, but, uh, it was left up. Uh, it's, it shows that, that if leaving, if left, if left into the hands of a small few, it would inhibit the ability or inhibit the exchange of ideas that would help make society better as a whole. And I, and I understand the need to, or the desire to keep people from saying things that can cause more harm than good. That is understandable, but I think more people have to be involved in is that content truly doing that rather than a small board uh, in a company that has a um, financial incentive to inhibit speech uh, 
regardless of its intent, because intent really is what com- what it comes down to. Intent is um, going to be the determining factor of whether something is dangerous or not, not just the content itself. And so um, it was, I thought, poor, you know, moving on from the uh, monitoring or the, um, oh, the word just escapes me, uh, policing of the content. Uh, Sometimes the wording is always important also because the wording does reflect intent the wording does uh, can reflect intent, and so it's important to pay attention to that also. Again, not leaving that up to a small few individuals, but a large number of individuals. And in that vein, so I read an article today, and I don't think I included it in the in the scroller, but uh, supposedly the White House has reached out to. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Microsoft to try to combat um, hate speech. Now, again, I don't know what steps that these representatives that, that the White House, who supposedly represents the people, has has gotten a direction from the people about how they want, what speech they want um, policed and how that should, what should that policing look like? How does it, you know, does it, is it when the post is made, someone makes a determination that of its potential liabilities or problems. And then that goes before some kind of a committee or that goes before some type of board that makes the ultimate decision. Um, at this point, it appears that, uh, you know, based on the article, it would be between the White House and these large companies. And again, I don't know where the, the direction is coming from, even as far as the White House goes. What they're trying to, I, I understand what they're trying to accomplish, but that shouldn't be in a vacuum. It should be a part of the national discussion if we're going to have a democracy, I understand that our representatives have to, to take the lead on some things, but in taking the lead, they, they do have to know what the public wants and how they want to, to approach it and not just put it upon themselves to carry everything and to make all of the decisions. I, I got the feeling from that, that, that there wasn't a lot of discussion previously about what is the content that we're controlling? It's someone else has made someone in the, in the government or in the white house or in these companies have determined what they believe is problematic content and they're approaching it without informing or working with the general public as a, as a whole to understand that, you know, what is that policing going to look like? 
what what are the specific guidelines? Different companies have different guidelines. So if you're on a couple of different platforms, your it's possible that your content can be um, banned on one platform and not banned on another. And that inconsistency, I think, breeds the opportunity for there to be a lot of miscommunication and a lot of anger and confusion. And so I, I don't see where we're making national uh, and efforts to ensure consistency across across platforms, across rules, um, so that we so that we are being consistent, so that so that it doesn't, you know, escape one portal while um, being banned at another portal. So uh, I, I'm going to keep my eye on that because having this uh, the power to silence someone's voice. I think it's a powerful, powerful tool. And it has to be dealt with in a very delicate manner. And, and here's why, why I say that. So part of last week's show, there was, I mentioned a video that Ali Veshi interviewed a British historian. And in that conversation, I do hope you get to see that video. I think it's extremely enlightening. But during that video, the historian made reference to that, that so Ali Veshi brought up an, uh, an idea that had been polled. I think it was 25 or somewhere between 15 and 25 people supported a particular idea. The historian dismissed that 15% that because 85% of the people supported the idea, it was acceptable to ignore the 15%. And that's where I think we get into problems and where people don't feel represented and people, while they may not be in the, major, in the majority, they most certainly are a part of society and should be at least considered and not ignored simply because they are not in the majority. I, and I'm not saying, and if you've looked at previous videos I've made, you'll know that I'm, I'm not saying that, that, the, that the minority has the ability to change necessarily or to control the conversation but it is important that they're seen, that they're heard, and that their concerns are also dealt with by the majority. So that, so that it's not j just because you have the 85%, you're in the 85%, while you may get your way, the 15% has a, a point of view that should be included in making that decision so that um, so that they are seen, that they know that they are heard, and that um, that they can fight harder, or at least know that that they have a fighting chance if they are able to um, bring their audience to a more receptive crowd. They may be able to persuade the other 
85%. But if we just ignore them, then there is the, obviously they're going to be that feeling of, well, because those are 85 cent, 85%, I'm not going to be able to, or we may not be able to convince people that we're right. And so I think it's really important that, that we don't just ignore uh, viewpoints of view simply because it is in the mi minority. And, and the, the difficulty or the, the challenge there is how do we make sure that people know they're being heard even when they don't get their way, even when they don't get what they want? How are, they, how are we letting them know that they are being heard and that they are being considered seriously if they've got serious ideas? Now that leads into something else that I think is uh, a pretty interesting aspect of where we are currently in our society. So um, we've had this ongoing, and they, they call it culture wars. And There are things that are, have been going on, you know, there was the flare-up about the M&Ms and um, flare-up about CRT and flare-up about this and flare-up about that. Um, so recently, there was a flare-up about The Little Mermaid. So a new remake of The Little Mermaid is going to include um, uh, a dark-skinned mermaid. And Matt Walsh of a conservative, um, right off the top of my head, I can't, I, I know these things as I'm, I'm doing them and then I get in front of the camera and boom, I'm, I'm gone. So anyway, so Matt Walsh makes a, uh, a comment that is incendiary and very inflammatory. Now, what I've noticed on many occasions is that, and, and I've talked about this before, this is actually nothing new. Um, I don't know if he was legitimately uh, bringing about ideas and concerns that he has or if he's just trolling. I remember back in the early days of the Trump presidency where conservative pundits would come on and say something extremely inflammatory and it would change the topic. It would change how the discussion went about because those individuals then became emotional and it became a, a, a shouting match. And, and some of the comments were just so blatantly inflammatory as to it would be difficult to believe that someone actually believed them. Um, and again, I think this was one of those things. And so I think it's a continuation of that insanity that, that we were going through as far as our political discussion was uh, some, you know, for the last five years, um, when things start to settle down, when there's a lull in uh, news coverage or things start to, the conversation starts to become 
reasonable and rational, there's always something in inflammatory tossed in something you know uh, that causes a flare-up um, in emotional conversations and um, and then we're off to the races on that and and I I don't know how serious this this um, Matt Walsh was about this conversation I've listened to him um, I've noticed or there were a couple of topics that he talked about that I could see were were reasoned and rationed rationalized rational rational conversations um and this one was um what I like to call um rationalization where it appears that there may be a ration rational logic and reason behind it but there isn't it, it, it's just um it's just disguised as something rational and reasonable um and and i and i, I don't know if he, he knows it or if he's um just you know doing his thing um bomb throwing and then walks off and you know just light fires um i i just see this non-ending you know when everything gets to a low when everything gets to a point where there's just a level of let's go back to being rational and reasonable and having intelligent discussions that that something um is put into the conversation that is uh, you know becomes emotional it becomes um a sticking point so we get stuck on stupid so we're arguing about things that uh, don't reasonably that we shouldn't reasonably be, be arguing about and and we don't get anything solved we don't get moving forward solved and and I think that that's interesting I don't know if if that's the plan to um you know take people's eyes off of the the real ball um We've had, you know, recent social changes that um, that are, are seriously negatively impacting everyday citizens, and we're, we're arguing about things that don't have any real logical reason for there to be even a discussion about it. So. So a reasonable discussion, is there a reasonable discussion about should the Little Mermaid be black or white? That's, you know, is that a reasonable discussion? There, there is some aspect of that that is reasonable, but it's, it's not where Matt Walsh took the conversation. So there are voices that need to be heard Again, we're we're talking about um, marginalized or the you know a group saying that the, their things are not fine for everybody in the in you know that things are being handled judiciously in a way that that everyone at least has a chance, um, and so 
that's not the kind of conversation that we're having. It's, it's bringing up things that are just emotional and just, you know, lack real rational sense behind it. Um, Oh, one of the other things about that article. So in, in last week's show there, I, I lifted a, uh, I put a link to an article which talked about the, the dust up between uh, Jeff Bezos and the doctor. Now, um, and, and I just found this a little interesting. Well, more than a little interesting, but, but I did want to, to address it. Um, in the first, in the first, in the headline of the article, Jeff Bezos and black professor get into heated exchange over Queen's death. Now, this is from complex.com. The story comes complex.com. I think it is. Um, and in the first paragraph, Jeff Bezos is getting dragged over his response to Dr. Uju Anaya a black college professor who wished Queen Elizabeth II an excruciating death. Now, you could easily exchange a black college professor with an African college professor. You could leave out the black college, the black, and just say uh, he was dragged over his response to a college professor who wished to clean Elizabeth II. So, so I question what is the intent of identifying that the comments came from a black professor? What, what is the, what is the news benefit of that? And I would be interested to know that seems more inflammatory or to create the to create a difference a a partition to to frame it in a racial manner rather than reporting it could be you know someone could make the argument that that the doctor is black and we, we understand that black refers to darker skin um, and say, you know, that was correct. But I think you have to weigh the value of using the term a black professor in that situation um, without, you know, it, you know, does that create more confusion or that create more of an emotional response to the art the the story uh then then is necessary to tell the story and so i i i that that paragraph jumped out at me the headline jumped out at me and i see so part of you know how we tell stories how we um cover stories is is a way of understanding how we think about stories um 
if there was, if the story can be told without calling uh, the doctor, uh, the professor, um, a black professor, then what is the value of using that term? What what are the if we if we look at all of the possibilities of why that would be used, um, is any of it necessary for the story? And so, um, so I want to point out those kinds of things because I think as we look at stories, we ha- have to see how the story is being told and how it's going to impact the ability of the story to influence um, the people who it is intended to target it at and who are impacted by it. Um, it, I am one of those people who um, I love news. Uh, If you've watched several of the podcasts or several of the shows that I've done, you'll know that I'm a, I'm a big news consumer. I, um, and I, there are things that, that we have done to our news services that I think are a, a big disservice. And there are things like this particular article, uh, and the particular use that I think lends itself to having people complain about biasness and uh, truthfulness and honesty. Um, I would like to see someone justify to me why that article was written that way. Um, Because I think it, it tells a story of how we think about the world around us. Um, one of the, so in perusing all of these articles that I normally peruse, there was uh, another story that jumped out at me. So as I, as I've talked about, there's, there's this rage machine that's going on in our media. And what I talked about, it was on the the side that has been considered right, that they would say things inflammatory and uh, then the raging would start. Now, th- there is a story that I um, ran across where people that are considered uh, more progressive um, turned into a, a rage fest. And I, and I found it interesting. This was the story of um, um, Maggie Haberman uh, wrote a book. And I guess in the course of uh, that book being promoted, there was the story about how the president at the time um, stated that he was not going to leave office regardless of the situation. Now, a a lot of people, again, on that more liberal side of, um, of the political spectrum berated this, that, that Maggie, Maggie Haberman, you know, saved all of this good, juicy information 
for a book and that her goal was to make money and not help the people, uh, not help the American people. And, and I just found those arguments so disingenuous. So Maggie Haberman covered the Trump White House all four years, as far as I remember. Um, and, and over the course of the four years, I would see Maggie, Maggie Haberman's reporting. And I, and I went out to watch some of her speeches or some of her talks that she gave, some of the um, times that she was in front of the microphone sharing herself and her, her um, what she was trying to accomplish or what she was doing. And, and, and I developed a trust that, that Maggie was doing her work as judiciously as possible, that her efforts were about, you know, bringing truth, um, reporting to the best of her ability. And so I had developed um, a certain level of trust. Um, you always have to leave room for the things that you don't know. So there, do I think that she's a reporter because she, she's making the money that she likes? It's quite possible. Um, I just have found, to, I believe, to her to be um, a person working towards uh, loftier goals than just a paycheck. And so all of the attack about she saved these, saved these, this uh, particular um, juicy bit of news just for her book because she wanted to make money just, just did not ring. It rang hollow. It, it did not seem to be to me to be that kind of a, a situation. I don't know if, and, and so some of the people that were um, giving her a difficult time who posted negative tweets about it, I thought would be people who would understand or be understanding of the position that Maggie was in. If the company that she worked for, and I think she works for the New York Times, if I remember correctly, if the, if the New York Times believed that Maggie Haberman was withholding information, withholding bits of reporting simply to make a book, I, it would be difficult for me to see that, that, that the company would not take effort, take action on that. And so my thought is there, there are multiple possibilities of why that information wasn't necessarily shared at the time that it happened. Um, I would imagine, you know, someone as that appears to be as dedicated to their job um, as Maggie seems to be to me would at least have run that up the flagpole and maybe was told, uh, you know, we need more sources or we need more supporting evidence or we need more, more than just this particular um, incident, 
which can be seen as, seen as inflammatory before we will, you know, print that story. Um, what happens after you, you know, what a, a, an editor or a company has to look at, what do we do once we print this information? Is this, is this information more inflammatory than it is informative? And, and I felt like it was that I felt like it was more inflammatory than it was. You know, I don't know what other, um, what, what Maggie, what information Maggie had in making the determination as to whether or not to print that story or even attempt to print that story at that particular time. And, and one of the things that perplexed me was nobody seemed to ask that question. They just seemed to attack her that, that this was super relevant. It should have been reported. It did not get reported. So Maggie was a villain. She was a she was someone who was only trying to make money off of a book. In our society, those uh, stepping away from Maggie, uh, Maggie Haberman at this particular time, in our society, self is the ultimate. This, um, Preservation of self, uh, access, you know, uh, benefit of self is the primary goal of democracy at, as, as, as it is defined now. Capitalism is considered you not necessarily going out and building a better mousetrap for people. It is about building a mousetrap so that you can make a better living in society. And that's so, so then to blast someone for a, for doing what they're already doing is, uh, is problematic for me. It, it is, how do you, blast someone else for something that you're doing. And I can, um, some of the people, I, I don't want to point out some of the people that were um, making some of the comments. There were a lot of uh, professionals who, who I've listened to before. And so I was, I was slightly taken by their, by their, rush to, to be, um, they, they didn't seem to approach it from a, uh, more rationed, rationalized, rational point of view. And just, um, it, it was just, um, a lot of emotional chatter. Um, and, and I, and I see that, you know, someone's career and someone's credibility can be negatively impacted by that effort. And for those people who understand the capital of, of integrity to, to then 
in almost a callous manner, attack someone else's credibility. I just found it um, disheartening. You know, how do we grow and get better when the people that have the microphones exhibit such a lack of appreciation for integrity and rather than initially just to to beat up on someone to to impugn their integrity without giving more than i think tweeting because of its because of its format, 140 characters, people try to get the most poignant, the most pointed message in such a short space that they often do disservice in the process of doing that. So we're, you know, by by this culture of, you know, beat somebody to the punch or, you know, say something that gets clicks or likes. We are chopping up the people and the, the processes and the, the efforts to be better in our society. So I hear a lot of, or I hear several, you know, mentions of how horrible social media has been on the the psyche of society as a whole and and you and you can see it it just doesn't have to be that way it just it 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 seems to bring out and and so and for me the question is is it bringing out the worst in us or is it allowing the worst in us to come out um and and I think that that's two different things if you are a person who believes in integrity, then you operate from a position of integrity. And that is your first primary responsibility to yourself. Um, and so you don't just lambast someone for, for their efforts. You first try to assess if those efforts are true before making that, that kind of a statement because you know the potential damage it can it can do, I I just I'm not convinced that that Maggie Haberman is you know in it for herself. I don't of course don't know her that well, and so I always have to leave that possibility around. But unless you know that that this that that she is doing this just for the dollar, it is unfair to even broach that because you're obviously and honestly doing way more damage than you are good. Um, so I, I think it's just, we're in a, a really unique time in, in, our, in our culture, in our society, where um, anger and frustration and hatred and um, all of the negative attributes seem to be front and center. They seem to be the the method of operation 
for the day. Um, it, it's all about attacking someone. It's, it's not about giving the benefit of the doubt. It's not about reaching for our better selves. That has just gone away. And, and I just think it's, it's, it's sad and it's harmful. Um, of, of course, you know, being an optimist, we can get back from that. We can get to a place where we're doing better. Um, it just takes a, a will and a determination that I at this point have not seen. And the few people that are, you know, working to bring us to a point where we're better, where we're doing things in a in a more honest and open and um, prepared way, are getting beat up on by people who have lost that sense of direction. And I, I'm not the I've I've heard other people talk about that and express that. So it's not definitely not something that I um, thought up on my own. Well, I thought it up on my own, of course, but it's not, you know, there are other people who are, you know, living in that mindset. Ah, I've come to the end of the show today. Um, I hope everybody is doing well. Uh, I have been out a little bit recently and I see more and more people um, without their masks. And I find that I don't go out without one yet, but, um, I notice more and more people are doing that. And I find that interesting. I probably don't follow the, uh, COVID, uh, information as closely. Again, I don't go out all that often. Um, so it would be interesting, you know, what, what, um, has your experience been like? Are you one of the people that have dropped the mask completely? Are you not social distancing? Or you did you retain uh, washing your hands? I at every chance I get, um, I make sure I um, sanitize. Uh, I use hand sanitizer. Uh, I try to you know keep still keep my hands away from my face. Um, those lessons I think will. St- hopefully will stay with me for a while. Um, but it, it would be interesting to, to know how, how people are, uh, are faring in there. I don't see as many, uh, news articles about COVID and just because it's not in the news anymore, does not mean it's not in the news anymore. It just means that I'm not necessarily seeing that. I appreciate you joining me this afternoon or whenever you have an opportunity to see this, please, wherever you find the podcast, um, make some comments. Uh, Your feedback allows me to help understand the um, possible impact that I may have if, if I am having a, an impact, but it, it, you know, gives me an opportunity to, to see uh, how I am doing. And I appreciate that. Thank you very much for taking the time to join me this afternoon. I will be back next week. You have a great time and stay safe. That concludes this episode of Altitude Adjustment. And thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website 
the lionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment because it matters. And as always, look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you.